Well, if you have your Bible, if you have a Bible this morning, I'm going to invite you to Luke chapter 19, the Gospel of Luke, the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. When you get there, I want you to find chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible handy today, don't worry, all of the pertinent scriptures will be on the screen this morning so you can follow along. In his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, an author by the name of Brennan Manning tells a fictitious story of a very sinful man who was not permitted to enter a particular church. And in his frustration, he cried out to God, Lord, they won't let me in because I'm a sinner. To which the Lord replied, what are you complaining about? They won't let me in either. And the point of the, the writer was that sinners do not fare well in churches that are afraid to admit that we're all sinners and in need of salvation. Now that being said, let me put to rest any fears that may exist in hearts of anyone here today by saying this, you are welcome here because we are all sinners. And beyond just being welcome here, I want you to know that, that you're wanted here. As we approach our text in Luke chapter 19, we're introduced to a spiritual ragamuffin named Zacchaeus, whose encounter with Jesus radically changed his life forever. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1, the Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Let me stop there for a moment and give you a little background into the life of this man named Zacchaeus. The Bible says that he was a publican. The publicans were the tax collectors of that day. And Zacchaeus was the head honcho. He was the chief among them. And he was a crook to boot. At the time of this encounter... The Romans were ruling over the Jews, and they required the Jews to pay taxes. And what Zacchaeus would do in collecting taxes for the Roman government was he required those below him to not only collect the money that was owed to Rome, but he also required them to collect the little extra so Zacchaeus could line his pockets. So in order for those under him to collect enough money to pay Rome, 
and enough money to line Zacchaeus' pockets, plus a little on top of that to line their own pockets, they would charge their Jewish brothers and sisters an exorbitant amount of taxes. Bottom line was they ripped them off big time. So needless to say, publicans were not well liked in that day. And the most hated of them all was the star of our story, Zacchaeus. Let's go on, verse 3. And he sought, that is Zacchaeus, sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press. In other words, there were so many people, Zacchaeus could not see around them, and here's why, because he was little of stature. I was thinking this week, if I was casting a movie of Zacchaeus, I would get Danny DeVito to, to, to be Zacchaeus. Or actually, we've got a couple of guys in our own church. All right, I won't. I was actually thinking about Steve Astala, but since you spoke up, Rick, by the way, they're both sitting back there together. <laughs> How cool is that? Verse 4, and he ran before, that is Zacchaeus ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And Jesus came to the place, or, and when, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and came down, and received him, received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, it would be the scribes and the Pharisees, the self-righteous rulers of that day, when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be the guest of a man that was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man, look at verse 10, for the son of man, Jesus, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. With the Lord's help, I want to preach to you this morning under this title, The Gospel According to Zacchaeus. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for a glorious day already in your house. I ask you now to add your blessing to the reading and now the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could somehow ask Zacchaeus to sum up his encounter with Jesus Perhaps he would say something like this, Jesus knew me, 
Jesus loved me. Jesus changed me. And really, in all honesty, I think anyone that we would talk to who's been saved could probably sum up their story the same way. Jesus knew me. Jesus loved me. Jesus changed me. So let's take some time this morning to look at those three truths, beginning with the truth that Jesus knows you. And I would say this today, like Zacchaeus, he knows your name. When Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name, you you got to know that, that Zacchaeus was, was probably freaking out. He was probably thinking to himself, how does he know my name? We've never even met. That's weird. But there's nothing weird about the fact that Jesus knows your name. After all, he is God. He knows everybody's name. Listen to me this morning. You are not just another number among the more than 7 billion people who populate planet Earth. Now, you may not feel special to anybody else in your life right now, but I want you to know this morning, you are special to God. You are a soul. You are someone that Jesus died for, and he knows you personally. But not only does he know your name, he knows your nature. Jesus knew exactly who he was dealing with here. He knew Zacchaeus was a crook. He knew about every shady thing that he had done to get to where he was. He knew he was a sinner, no different than any of us. But the truth is, we just read it, that's who Jesus came to earth to look for and to hang out with and to save. I mean, he said himself, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. And and one of the lost that he came to seek and save was a vertically challenged little man named Zacchaeus. But the fact that he was short physically was, was not what concerned Jesus. What concerned Jesus was that Zacchaeus was short spiritually. He was, he was not just vertically challenged, he was spiritually challenged, as we all are. And they were preaching, how do you know that? Because Paul said so in the book of Romans, when he wrote the letter to the Romans, he said this, he said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What about a guy who went to the doctor for his annual physical and when he walked in, the, the nurse met him there, and she said, well, let's get started. She said, how much do you weigh? And he said, I weigh 170 pounds. She said, well, let's step on the scales. And when he stepped on the scales, she said, sir, you weigh 200 pounds. She said, how tall are you? He said, I'm 6'1". She said, well, let's see. She measured him and said, sir, actually, you're 5'9". She then reaches over and grabs the blood pressure cuff, and he said, hey, 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 wait a minute. How do you expect my blood pressure to be normal? I came in here tall and slender, and you've made me short and fat. Here's the deal this morning. None of us measure up. 
to God's standard of righteousness. I mean, it's right there on the screen. We all fall short. And Jesus knows that. But it doesn't do one thing to change his love for us. He knows your name. He knows your nature. And he knows your need. Here's what Jesus knew about Zacchaeus. He knew he was wealthy, but he wasn't happy. He knew he had power and position, but that he didn't have any peace. But he knew something else besides the fact that Zacchaeus was short on peace and happiness. He knew he was short on meaningful relationships. He knew that he was short the most meaningful relationship of all. And that's why he stopped. Jesus desired a relationship with Zacchaeus. And that would be the second point of the gospel according to Zacchaeus. First, Jesus knows you. And secondly, Jesus loves you. And desires to have a relationship with you. When Jesus called Zacchaeus, he called him personally, by name. And he did it openly. And he did it publicly. My point is, there's no way that Zacchaeus could mistake God's call. And can I just say this to you this morning? When God calls you, you'll know it. You'll know it. There will be no mistaking it. The only mistake will be if you choose to ignore it. Now, he'll not call out loud so you can hear it audibly. He will call you by what the Bible refers to as the still, small voice of the Spirit. And you'll hear it in your heart. One day a father and son were outside flying a kite and as the kite climbed upward it eventually got so high that the boy couldn't see it. Afraid he had lost his kite, the the son said, Daddy, where's my kite? I think it's gone. His dad just looked down at him and smiled and said, No, we, we haven't lost the kite, it's still there. The little guy then asked, well, how do you know it's still there, Daddy? To which the dad replied, because I can feel it tugging on the string. When God calls you, you'll know it by the tug on your heart. I mean, ask anyone who's come to know Christ as their Savior how they knew that that's what they needed in their life, and they'll, they'll say something like this to you. Well, I just knew it. Well, that doesn't help. And so as you start to press them for more of an answer and more details, perhaps they'll end up saying something like this. I just felt it. And what they're saying is that they felt the tug of God on their heart. The reason Jesus called Zacchaeus was because he cared about Zacchaeus. Now think about this. 
based on, on what we know about the publicans and Zacchaeus being the, the, the chief among the publicans, how many people do you think cared a thing at all about Zacchaeus? Now here's my guess this morning. I'm, guess, I'm guessing he ate a lot of meals alone. And if someone did eat with him, I bet they didn't post it on Twitter or Facebook. I doubt that if it was modern times that you would see many selfies with, with the caption, had a great meal with Zacchaeus tonight. Now, when the crowd heard Jesus call Zacchaeus down out of that sycamore tree, I mean, they're probably thinking to themselves, yes, that crook is finally going to get what he deserves. I hope God just reduces him to ashes right here on the spot. And how surprised do you think they were when Jesus invited himself to the home of Zacchaeus for a meal. I'm not sure the children have it right. And many of you grew up probably singing Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. I'm not sure that the children have it right or that we had it right when we got to that place and we shook our finger and we said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I don't, I don't think that that's the right approach to what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. Jesus had not come to Zacchaeus to condemn him. And the Bible says in John 3, 17 that Jesus hasn't come to condemn any of us. If you know your Bible, there was a woman who was caught in adultery and, and they were ready to stone her and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn thee Jesus cares about you and his desire is to have a meaningful personal eternal relationship with you if you let him I mean how incredible is it that God would leave heaven become a man invite his enemies to be his friends, and then promise to never leave them nor forsake them. Amen. Listen, that's the story of Jesus. He was God, but he left heaven to become one of us. And now he invites us to become his friends and promises to never leave us nor forsake us. Isn't that awesome? The third truth that presents itself to us in the gospel according to Zacchaeus is that the God who knows our name and desires to have a relationship with us also changes us. The change in Zacchaeus started with his confession of Jesus as Lord in verse 8. Verse 8 says, and Zacchaeus stood and said, Behold, Lord. Now here's why that's significant. Because we read in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. 
Later in verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here in his confession of Jesus as Lord, Zacchaeus indicates that he's coming to saving faith. He's saying this, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus is the Savior. And at that moment, he committed his life to him. For anyone who desires to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord, listen, there must be a time when they personally trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Salvation is not something you catch like a cold. It's not something that you grow into or that you evolve into or that you're born into. You do not inherit salvation. You do not earn salvation. You are given salvation. It's a free gift. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is a gift given to anyone who is willing to say, I know I'm a sinner and that I cannot save myself. I believe that Jesus is the only way. And right now, I'm calling on him to forgive me of my sin and to save me. Friend, listen today. If you've never had a definite moment like that in your life it doesn't matter what else you've done religiously you're lost and you need to be saved and once you're truly saved that's when things begin to change for you just like they began to change for Zacchaeus Now listen, I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. This is the part of salvation truth that some folks just aren't ready for. But I'm going to tell you up front this morning, if you're not ready for change, then you're not ready to be saved. Christianity is not do whatever you want to do. God will forgive you then you just keep doing whatever you want to do, and God will keep forgiving you. Bible salvation, Christianity, is do whatever you want to do. You meet Jesus. You realize that what you were doing was sinful and unacceptable to a holy God, and with his help, you change. Listen, salvation is free of charge. Amen. But it is not free of change. That is why being saved is referred to in the scriptures as being born again. It is a brand new life. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
Now, God has a word for this spiritual 180. It's called repentance. Watch this. There's Jesus. There's sin. We can only go in one direction. And according to the word of God, before a person comes to know Christ as their Savior, they're headed in this direction. Isaiah said, we've all gone a sheep, or gone a sheep, that like sheep, we've all gone astray. And we've all turned to our own way. And so here we are, without being born again, without Christ as our Savior, and we're heading down a path of, of sin and, and, and away from God. Notice that when you're headed this way, you're headed away from Jesus. And so here we are, we're going our own way, we're living our own life, we're doing our own thing, we're making our own rules. And then lo and behold, we come to a service like this, or we hear a sermon like this, or maybe we begin to notice something about a friend of ours whose life is changing, who, whose marriage is changing, whose family is changing, and we begin to visit with them about that, and they begin to explain what has happened in their heart and what has happened in their life, and, and through that, or maybe through hearing a sermon like this today, God begins tugging on our heart. And we begin to thinking to ourselves, surely there has to be a better way than this. Surely there has to be something better than what this life offers. Surely there's got to be a better end than life for eternity without God. And at some point, by faith, we turn. And we have a change of mind, and we have a change of heart, and we have a change of desire. And by faith, we turn. And we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we begin walking what the Bible calls the paths of righteousness. A new life. That's the story of every saved person here this morning. At one time in their life, for me that was nearly 45 years ago. I was headed this way. And because somebody invited me to church. I heard a message like this, and God began tugging on my heart. And I knew that that was not the end that I wanted. And on a Wednesday night in September of 1976, by faith, I turned. And that night in my youth pastor's office, I said, God, I know I'm a sinner and that I can't save myself. And if you're willing to save me, I'm ready to be saved. And that night, I started walking a new path. Now watch this. Because this has happened in my life, and I'm honest enough to admit it to this morning, and I'm guessing it's happened at some point to some degree in the life of everyone who's ever named the name of Christ. We start walking this way, and for some reason, whatever it might be, we start looking back over our shoulder. 
And we start looking at the old life, the old way of living. For some reason, we, we just stop walking this way and, and we stall in our Christian life. We start missing more church and we lay our Bible aside and we desert our prayer life and things just aren't what they should be. And sadly, there are some who even do this and start, the Bible calls it backsliding. And they begin to slide backwards in their spiritual life. Now listen, they're not losing their salvation. That is theirs forever. But they are losing their fellowship with God. They're not as close to Jesus as they once were. And they're sliding back. And that may be your story. Like me, you remember the time when you turned in faith to Jesus Christ and you were made a new creature and you were pursuing him and following him and you were doing it with passion and with zeal and you were leading your family to do that, you were leading your children to do that. I mean, you were trying to tell everyone around you about that. But for whatever reason, that's not true in your life now. Listen, I'm not condemning you. I just want you to know that Jesus still loves you and that he's waiting for you to stop and say, no, no, what am I doing? This is not the way I want to go. This is not the way I need to go. And maybe today this message is God's call to you. God's tug at your heart to say, you need to stop. And you turn around and get back to where you know you need to be. So as we come to the close of the message, let me ask you today, where are you in this story? Are you Zacchaeus? Are you searching for that something that you are convinced is going to fill the void in your life? That none of the other somethings have been able to fill? If that's the case, the first thing you need to know this morning is this. You're not looking for something. You're looking for someone. And that someone is Jesus. And he knows who you are. And he knows what you need. And he wants to meet that need today. And let me address those who at one time were a Zacchaeus. But you're not anymore. Because there's been a time in your life when you heard God's call and you answered his call and you experienced the change that we talked about today. But now, for whatever reason, 
you find yourself in that place that I just illustrated a moment ago. You would be honest and say, Pastor, I'm looking back. I'm sliding back. I've gotten lazy. I've gotten apathetic. I've gotten careless. Whatever the case may be. Again, this message has been God's word to you to turn around. Regardless of where you find yourself spiritually today, here are your choices. You can make haste, come down, and joyfully get in on what God has to offer you in our time of invitation. Or you can just stay where you are. And let Jesus pass by. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we pray?